Blog Talk Radio. If I speak for your followers and I speak for your ex-followers and I speak for the curious outsiders looking in, and you remain silent in the shadows and don't let your balls drop enough to come out and say something, then I say, who do you speak for, Mr. Miscavige? Anything on earth that says, don't listen to your mom and dad, don't talk to your mom and dad, that's bad. Yeah, wrong. Absolutely believed his own bullshit. Now, does that mean he believed it from day one? I don't know. Hobart reveals to them that he is the Antichrist. Scientology has not helped you. You have helped yourself. Yeah, I'm absolutely positive that happened because I was physically abused in Scientology. We're crossing the line into torture. Do you think there is a rape culture in Scientology? I think that there is a culture in Scientology that children are not children. So, yeah. Welcome to Come Get Some Extra Scientology Edition. A couple things. Uh, Something came up recently uh, from one of my listeners letting me know that uh, the the background noise was really, really rough on the Sina Kamula interview and uh, a little tough on the uh, Clara Hilly interview. I've gone back and cleaned the sound up on those. Uh, Sina's was pretty bad, but I was able to get it really, really improved to the point to it's completely listenable, and I think you'll enjoy it. We had a couple listening before. Clara Hilly's is like crystal clear. So um, I guess I've been kind of unaware, self unself-aware, of how staticky the background is on most of my interviews. So I'm probably going to go back to them all and clean them up over time and make sure they all sound a little bit better. So uh, you can start with uh, with Claire Headley and, and Santa Kamula. It's, uh, it's a better experience listening now. Uh, so sorry about that, but it's all back up and running and uh, replaced with the better improved audio. Uh, again, today, a uh, link to the podcast is the link to the Suicide Prevention Hotline. That's a one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. If you're thinking about it, you know a family member that you're worried about, call that number, please. Uh, also, I put the link to the. Um, I know we're getting a new IRS commissioner, uh, but I have that uh, the link to that change.org petition uh, set up by Jeffrey Augustine, where you can uh, you can be involved and do something. So uh, go sign that petition because it's going to go to somebody and be assessed. So uh, let's add names. Let's add numbers. Uh, to that petition. Uh, Tara was, uh, as my guest today, Tara Riley, who was on the season two of Scientology in the Aftermath in, uh, with Nathan Rich. And uh, not knowing much about her, because she shared the, she shared time with Nathan and he didn't get a whole story. She, she told me he'd hear 94% of her story. But I was like, okay, it'll be a 45-minute interview. We, we talked for three hours. So you'll get an hour and change of the first part of our conversation today. We talked about things I didn't think we'd talk about, but I can tell you Tara is a down-to-earth, real human being. Uh, just It comes across in the conversation just how uh, sincere and how uh, how much she, she's talking through experience and not just t- uh, telling a story. Uh, so I think it's something you need to hear, and I'm looking forward to you hearing it. Um, here it is, part one with Tara Riley. All right. Seen this uh, this young lady on Scientology in the Aftermath season two just recently. Uh, she uh, spent some time at, at one of the ranches there, uh, Mace Kingsley, I believe, 
This is uh, Tara Riley. Welcome to the show, Tara. Hello. Did I say your name right? Thanks for having me. Yeah, Riley. Yeah. Riley, Riley. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. I'm glad to have you on. Um, you told me after the show aired, you said we haven't heard 92 percent of what you said. So, um, and again, we know it's editing. We know there's two people telling stories. You can't get everything in on TV. So, here's an opportunity to to say as much as we need to say and get it all out there for you. Um, how are you doing today? How are you doing right now? I'm I'm good long day. Fall, okay. winter is coming, but yeah, we're good. Oh, winter is coming. Um, coming. Winter is coming. So you had an interesting uh, intro into Scientology, didn't you? I did. I, I mean, it, yeah, I guess it wasn't interesting. It was kind of blasé, really, but uh, it just kind of happened over the years. Um, it was unique, um, I guess, in... in um, that I wasn't born into it, and I wasn't in the Sea Org, and um, I come from a really big extended family of Scientologists, and they're all, you know, close-knit, as most of them are, um, up until, you know, they just deflect, deflect, how do you say that word? I can never, my mom always makes fun of me, I call like the bug deflector. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what you're trying to say. <laughs> like a defector. A defector. A defector. Yeah, defector. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> Sorry. You got it. From a, a big extended family, close knit extended family of, of Scientologists who, um, from what I now understand, would rather have not had to have anything to do with me because you know, I was adopted. Um, I don't know if anybody knows that, but the world can know that I was adopted. I never, I never had a problem with that. I always thought that that was really kind of awesome that you know somebody chose me, but that that kind of that light dimmed really quick. But um, so I, I just bring that up because that's what they did in their smear campaigns. My aunt and uncle immediately wanted to make sure that everyone knew that I was adopted and not actually blood. That is interesting that they try to make a, a point of that so they can distance themselves yeah. as much as possible, right? Right, yes, exactly. And But, you know, they've actually done that to me my entire life. Like, anything, it was like, oh, well, Tara, Tara's not blood, so... And when my parents got divorced, so my my father, um, Paul, the my adoptive father, so he was always my dad because I knew him since I was two. Right. So I never knew... Any any other father or dad, you know, I had a pretty um, normal, except for the cognitive dissonance with the <laughs> the disputes with the religions in my family. But um, oh, I lost track. I'm sorry. Uh, what was I saying? Right. You're talking about how they made sure everyone knew you were adopted your entire life. Uh, your dad has always been your dad. Oh yeah, that's right. Sorry, my brain just shuts this shit down now. I get it. I'm, I'm sorry. It's like, it's really beyond my control sometimes. It's like, enough, Tara. Just, just stop. Well, we'll take as long, much time as we need to get it out and whatever, you know, whatever works in, in your, your brain, we'll get it out there. <laughs> yeah, I, I just started recently um, learning how to breathe. Apparently, I haven't been breathing properly for years. Oh, wow. So that's even a new thing, yeah. It's amazing what stress and anxiety and uh, trauma 
you know, a lifelong trauma could do, could do to a person. But um, anyway, so back to my, my family. So as far as I was concerned, Paul was always my dad. Um, I knew um, of my biological family. I knew their names, but I also was told that they signed the papers, so Paul was my dad. And I called him dad and whatever. Um, <clears throat> so when my parents got divorced when I was 11, their side of the family, the Riley side of the family, kept asking me, like, well, are you still going to call Paul dad? I'm like, what, do you, what does that even mean? Like, and I know it doesn't, <clears throat> the way I'm even talking about it doesn't really do it justice, but to, it really bothered me. And that stuff, like, happened for a long time. Like, well, you know he's not really your father, so why, you know, why are you doing this to him? Or you owe him. I, it was always I owed him for adopting me, but then at the end of the day, it was Kara was fucked up because he was adopted. It was always, like, a weird thing. And I, and I never knew if that was, like, a Scientology thing or if they were just shitty people on that end. But I guess um, you had brought up that, yeah, to, like, distance themselves from me would make total sense. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I was too cool for their school. That, so, yeah, I don't... That's, that's something, man, because, you know, first of all, when you're a parent, it's your responsibility and it doesn't matter if it's born, to, if the child is born to you or the child is something that you asked for. You wanted that child initially. When you want that child, you're kind of signing an unofficial, unwritten contract. And you are going to do everything you can to mentor and form that child into the best functioning human being you can. And I don't think you do that by distancing yourself from them in that way. And that's that's pretty disgusting to hear. I'm sorry. That that was your experience. Yeah, it was. it's pretty pretty shitty. I didn't even, you know, and it's always bothered me, and I had never brought it up because I didn't want to seem like a whiny baby, like, oh, you're just whining that you were adopted, because that's not even the case at all. But then when I saw those videos, <laughs> and was, when they just made it such a point to bring that up, I was just... It's, it's hateful. It's hateful. And Actually, those videos, those, those videos that they made was the turning point where I was like, you know what? Fuck them. Really, honestly. Like, I've been trying really, really hard to protect everyone, you know, and as much as, like, I still, I, I, mean, I don't want anything bad to happen to these people. I think they're legit assholes at this point. Like, when you're 60-something years old and you've known me for 30-something years and then you make smear campaigns and started off by saying, well, Tara is a pathological liar and a, a sleazeball and just all this shit. And anybody that actually knows me, it was just, it was hurtful. At the same time, laughable. I couldn't watch the whole videos. I basically, people just kind of um, <clears throat> chimed in like, oh, and your uncle said that. I'm like, you know, I'm done. And I, I actually knew what they were going to say. Like, I knew they were going to bring up, I was getting myself prepared. And I was very nervous about it. And I knew the senior campaign was probably going to come. I was hoping, and everybody laughed at me, because I really thought, there was, like, a sliver of hope that the church wouldn't come after Nathan and I because, you know, we were at the Mace Kingsley Ranch, and I know that they knew what the fuck was going on there. And in the real world, you don't go after, you know, adults that are talking about a traumatic childhood, that there was, you know, physical abuse and uh, intense labor and um, neglect, and, just, you know, the list goes on. 
and it's just really fucked up. See, my brain just shut down again. <laughs> That's okay. The videos are, are hard. The videos are hard, and I'll tell you, I watched them, and I watched them right after watching Aftermath, and I found it interesting because this is the case with all the videos, by the way, just about. Mm-hmm. Um, your story is about being starved, being worked hard mm-hmm. labor, being neglected by your family, neglected by the people at the ranch. Your story is about all these horrible things that happened to you, and their response is totally unrelated insults and terrible moments from your life and childhood. Right. And I was like, that was the thing that, like, really, I was like, when I watched the episode and then I saw what they did, I realized, you know, yes, Leah's an enemy because she has a show against Scientology, and I'm therefore now a suppressive evil person because I am now on Leah's show. And the, I didn't even really say a fucking bad word about Scientology. I mean, I did. They didn't actually put that in there. But I didn't on the show, and I didn't. I, I was really careful not to slander or talk about my family. Um, and... Um, you know, I was trying to protect them. And the interesting thing about those two people that did those videos is they both called me. They've never called me in my life. And they both, my Aunt Maggie called me um, two Fridays before our episode had, was going to air. And I knew she was calling me because I got wind that Osa was calling, like, the OTH in the family to tell them, hey, your, your niece or whatever, Kara is on the show, she's probably going to be declared, you're going to need to disconnect, and then whatever that chain of command was. So, and I have, I had, like, an insider on that, so I knew it was coming. Um, but I talked to my Aunt Maggie for, like, an hour and a half as a human being. I was really respectful. She was respectful. I mean, she was a total asshole at the same time because that's how they are. But, and I, at the same time, I, I felt, I'm kind of kicking myself in the ass because, you know, I didn't go after her and tell her about what she's about to find out when she hits the OC8 level. And I was really mm. trying to even then protect her. But, um, so we had a conversation for like an hour and a half and I thought it was pretty decent. And she, she mimicked her and my uncle both. So my uncle then called me on Monday. Um, and I talked to that motherfucker for four hours. Oof. Well, he talked to me. We talked to each other. And um, same thing. But I'll get into both of those. So my Aunt Meg was kind of respectful. You know, she's kind of, she's a sweet, she's just a sweet, innocent woman. She's very sweet and nice. She really is. She doesn't have an evil bone in her body. My Uncle Chris, on the other hand, I don't know. I don't know his shit, but I know he's an asshole. So I talked to him <laughs> for four hours that Monday, and he, he mimicked exactly what my aunt said, was, oh, hey, so, yeah, I was flipping through the channels, and did, did I see you on TV? Um, and I was, and I laughed, because I knew that both of them don't have cable, because they give all their money to the church. Um, don't get me wrong, they have, I come from a very well-to-do family, so they're all, you know, they're not, um, they're, they're well off, but... You know, I mean, they don't, I don't know. Part of this, they both mimicked each other with the questions. Like, oh, I saw you on TV. Could that have been you? And I was like, yes, that was me. I was on Leah's show. 
And then both of them were basically like, well, why would you do this to your father? Why are you kicking him in the head? You're, why are you doing this to your grandmother? Um, she would be rolling in her grave. You owe your dad. Um, you know, he really, really loved you. He cared about you. Um, you were an asshole. What else did they say? This is so much. Just the basic shit that I've heard, really, my whole life. But they did it in a really nice way this time. I don't know if it's because, well, I know it was because they were trying to then get me to not have the episode air. They right. actually asked me that later in the conversation. Like, my aunt did. Like, well, what what do you need for this not to air? Like, she was legitimately concerned, like, her regular friend people that were, like, never in were going to see this shit. And I was like, well, good. I hope they see this shit. I hope your friend in Indiana sees this shit and calls you. And is like, what is your niece doing on TV talking about your religion like this? But whatever. Um, but they were both very one-one. You know, that's how they roll. So speak your face with different intentions. And it was the same thing. Um, my, they were asking me what happened at the ranch. And they were both like, well, sure you didn't, you, why didn't you talk about this? I mean, it's been 20 years. Like, get over it. Like, think of all the people you're going to hurt. Think of all the fellow ranchers. Like you just said, Tara, you, you know, you love them, and they're like your brothers and sisters. Why would you make them think about all this stuff now? Why? They were, like, really laying on the fucking guilt trip. And it was, I mean, I didn't, I, I got a little bit, like, uh, but, like, no, I know what you guys are doing. And, um, but... Yeah, my aunt and uncle. <laughs> they come from a long line of uh, their own little world, their own little Scientology world. They've both spent hundreds of thousands of, like, my uncle's OC8, he was proud to say, like, I've been a Scientologist for 54 years. Like, I'm sorry. Sorry, dude. All right, I'm going to come back to this in a second. I want to go back a couple things. First of all, did you make a, a tone scale reference? Or what? Did you make a tone scale reference, 1-1? One, one? Yeah, one one. Okay. One, one, one. <laughs> All right, I got you. I got you. Okay, you still think that way, or is that just the you're just you know, the way you're the way you're telling the story, or oh, you still getting I, the scale yeah. out? Yeah, actually, I the scale is like drilled into my brain, and I think those little bouncy balls that are like emojis now, and then also in doctor's office, like feel my pain. I'm always like, I'm always like one one. Oh <laughs> like, God. What are you talking about? Yeah, no, um. I like to, but no, that's what they were. They were one, one, and any Scientologist or anybody that was, um, covert hostility, it's the big one. Right. You know, where gays are and you're an enemy, and, um, I was always one, one. Um, we can talk about that later. I'm glad you said that because it's such casual. Because you know Scientology will fight against that, and any Scientologist that speaks openly, which isn't many. Uh, and meet in social media, we'll talk about how one one does not have anything against you know homosexuals and all that. But you say it, oh, yes. you you yeah, you say it very matter of fact because it's just it just is it just just it is what it is. You can't argue with fact. Yep. So um, go ahead. I've I've actually been, you know, a lot of I've been talking to a lot of people in the last couple of weeks, and a lot of them. Um, I don't want to give them away. So without giving out, out too much information, they're still very much connected to the church um, and still very much believe in it, but they also, they, um, 
they believe, like, I don't know, it's, it's a whole, I'm sorry. I'm trying to, like, talk without, um... I understand. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then you, and then the other thing that got me was, and this is something that I think is a very prevalent thought process, and I this is my observation over the over the last year is, um, Scientologists will look at stuff like that, like it was twenty years ago. Get over it. Um, yeah. That that it still happened. It's still a That's part of your history. Thank you. That's exactly how I answered that question, and I was proud that I came up with that answer because I was like, hit with that a few times, and. You know, deep down, I'm like, yeah, Tara, you fucking loser. Like, get over it. It was 20 years ago. But, you know, 20, it wasn't like one thing that happened this one time. I mean, that's just regular, you know, tra- traumatic things that scar people for their entire lives. We lived shit every fucking day, all day. And it was psychologically drilled into our brains at young ages. And no matter how much we try, I think, to disconnect from all of that it's very um yeah it's really sorry it's okay (sighs) all right um you talked to me a little bit off the air about i don't know how much you want to get into it or if at all uh, about your mother was trying to protect you from the scientology aspect of things yeah she was um he thought it was nuts and weird and my dad's family never really, I mean, they were nice to her up until the divorce, um, but they they really, I don't know, I think they thought they were equally weird. So my mom's sisters were going to college to become psychologists, and I was really close to Oh. as well as the other side of the family. So I really had that um, tug of war between religions and beliefs, and I had the interesting part where I, ha- I literally come from a psych family, and I literally come from a Scientology family, and I was blended in the middle. It wasn't, it, it wasn't, I don't know, it's really um, a fucked up thing, but yeah, my mom um, tried to protect us as much as she could from Scientology. Like, we didn't, my brother and I didn't do any courses when we were younger. Um, we didn't do any auditing. However, um, we were at the church a lot because my my grandmother was OSA. She was, like, head of OSA there. So she did special affairs at the Buffalo Church of Scientology. And um, so, you know, when they would have their events and whatever, or when um, my mom needed a babysitter, or I would just, we would spend a lot of time just at the org, but we would just be, like, running around, inhaling secondhand smoke in, like, dimly lit rooms, watching people drink coffee and, like, cheering and it was just fucking bizarre. And then they would stick, like, all of us kids. I remember being really young. Like, this is my first memory of um, being in the church. I was probably, like, five or six. And I think it was, like, around LRH's birthday or something. Because it kind of coincides with why there was a big thing happening. Right. So, um, we, I don't know how my dad convinced my mom to get us down there. Um, I could ask her about that. But... So all the adults went and did the, you know, watch the event or whatever. I didn't know what they were doing. I now know. I do. I now know. But anyway, and all of us kids were put in one room. I was like five or six. Um, I'm gonna say seven just in case, but I highly doubt I was that old. Um, and with like two year olds and like babies crawling. And the oldest girl was probably 
maybe six and a half or seven. And it was just so, it was weird. And all these kids were crying, and I was so bored, and it was just so No adults? And, no, there was no adults in the room at all. Wow. There was none. They were, like, way down the hallway. And it was, like, an old city building. And um, I think it was, I mean, it I shouldn't even know this. It's embarrassing when I do. But I think the event would be in, like, March, and it was in Buffalo. And I know that we had, like, hot radiators. I feel like somebody got burned. I should ask my brother about that. Oh, wow. All these things that come up in my mind that I just, like, totally forget about. Like, I haven't even talked about this with anybody, just that little thing. But my mom, yeah, so, but they ended up getting divorced. Like, 10 years is pretty, pretty astonishing considering where they were coming from. Like, my mom, I went to church with my grandparents a lot. My mom didn't go to church. My mom drank vodka. Um, but... I went to church a lot with my grandparents, and I had, you know, my first communion and all that good stuff, and so I was raised that way, too. Um, and I think my mom kind of just did that just to kind of lure us more away from Scientology, because she's not, you yeah. know, it's not really a, a big thing for her to be religious. But anyway, so in that aspect, she did try to protect us. However, we did live right next door to my grandparents, who, like I just said, my grandmother was um, in charge of special affairs at the church, and my grandfather was always at swag and, you know, doing his thing and spending huge amounts of money on books that will never get read and all this shit. Um, so, and I, I saw my grandmother, I saw the Scientology literally work my grandmother to death, and, you know, she was a really... Scientology out of the whole scenario and I was really lucky to have her as a grandmother next door because she really really was a wonderful grandmother to us the only time she really wasn't was when she was applying Scientology principles which um, I'm just realizing kind of now um, but yeah she so yeah kind of. but I, I, I felt bad because I, I brought her up in the show. She was the one that told me that um, I shouldn't I shouldn't cry because I had um, told my mom that I called my dad and like third party and it was you know my fault. But anything that was about to happen was my doing. So oh my God. I suck it up and fix it. Like suck it up and fix what? Like what is my world is falling apart? So that's like my biggest issue with her ever. Um, but she's. She's passed away a few years ago, so, but she was, she was right next door, and being, we would spend a lot of time with her when she was home, when she wasn't working 24,000 hours a day at the church, which she did, um, for, for her entire life, so I'm assuming probably 40, 50 years, that woman worked, you know, she made like 15 bucks a week, and she was in charge of like the CIA of Buffalo. Scientology. It's like fucking nuts. The last, actually, the last thing she said, um, right before she passed, while my, while her daughter was giving her uh, an assist, which is, um, I'm sure you know what assists are. Touch assist. Help, yeah, touch assist or some sort of assist. Um, We knew that my grandma was dying of cancer. She didn't go and get the chemo and help, and she just kept doing all these crazy flushes and. You know, the church kept t- telling her to go down the flag, and 
get it handled, and then at the end, she couldn't get it handled. She had, like, lymphoma and serious cancer, <laughs> and she tried to fight it for, God, probably, like, 10, 15 years. She was trying to fight this spreading shit, and they just kept telling her to spend more money and go down the flag, and it was her fault. But anyway, um, the last thing she said was, it, it's just not fair. And, you know, that has so many sad fucking meanings. Yeah. Like, on so many levels. You know, she was 72. She had a big, loving family. She really was, like, the matriarch of the family. And she worked herself literally to death while her OT8 daughter is touching her, which is such a huge taboo. Like, if the church heard me saying that, their heads would probably literally explode. But I always found that really fucking interesting because, you know, leftists are supposed to um, rise people from the dead and shit, not kill people. So I just really thought that was really sad and ironic. Do you know if there was a story given? I, I ask this all the time. Was there a story given for what happened other than what actually happened? Like when she died at that moment? Right. Um... No, it was just my evil aunt. I call her evil because I think, personally, I think she's evil. Um, it was just her and my aunt in their, like, in my grandma's family room. Um, and interestingly, my aunt was also the last person to talk to her brother before um, he killed himself a couple years ago after he gave a whole bunch of money that didn't belong to him to the church. God. Yeah, and then he, I don't know, got felt guilty or people were asking about it. I don't know that part, but I know all, <laughs> most of it, and it's, that's a whole... I'm sorry about that. That's another, it's another yeah, Scientology suicide. Another, yeah, uh, it actually was, and that was, my uncle's death was really the turning point where I was, like, really done with, Scientology, like, never really wanting to deal with them ever, you know, because I would think to turn to them over the years if I had some sort of struggle. Like, my son was um, struggling, you know, he was in, like, first grade or something, and he was struggling learning his words, so I asked my dad to borrow, I think, like, the basic study manual or something, or how to use a dictionary or something, and we never really opened it. I had it, like, on myself for years, and then when my son was old enough, I was like, hey, you want to see the shit that I had to read? We got to look at this. And he was like, oh, my God, that's so basic. I learned that in preschool. Like, thank you for not wasting my time on that, Mom. Like, you're welcome. <laughs> I tried. I got the book. I put it on the show. I, I find that a lot of times the ex-Scientology community is full of people who have either, and I don't think it's everybody, but there's a lot of ex-Scientologists who have either uh, attempted suicide or have uh, thought about it. Oh, yeah. Seems like a, a big thing. That was self-harm, and self-harm was always a, uh, I don't know what that would be, but, yeah, that's um, a huge thing, suicide. Um, nobody would have thought in a million years that my, my uncle um, would have done that, just like a most of the people I know that have committed them are committed suicide in Scientology. Like you would have, it's just so fucking heartbreaking because you know why they did it, and you know, you, like you can, it's, I don't know, you can feel it. It's just fucking devastating. I 
one of the big reasons I, I did that episode was for, you know, my my Aunt Maggie and Uncle Chris's mother and for their brother, who, who, who I still can't believe that they're, they're in this shit and they believe this shit and they, they know what happened. It's so fucked up. So fucked up. But yeah, suicide, um, I've brought that up over the years. Like, I would be really interested to see some sort of write-up on how many people actually do commit suicide because I know quite a few and I really don't even know that many Scientologists. Like, I know a couple hundred. That's, that's know, bothersome. Um, yeah. Over the years. Huh? That's something that, that that's bothersome to know. Yeah, and, um, you know, there's a, a few kids just from the ranch, and we had a very small group of people, and there shouldn't be a few kids. You know, I, I was lucky enough to go to um, freshman. I went to a Catholic high school for just a couple months, my freshman year of high school. It doesn't even matter. You know, in high school, you have the the mix of people, the mix of humans, and everybody branches off. And if you put it in, like, a pie chart of what everybody's going to go and do, you kind of get the gist. It's, it's just a mixed pie chart. You know, like, Bob and Sally are now accountants, and Rob and Roy are the musicians, and then these 400 other kids work at Walmart. You know, it's <laughs> um, just, you know... And then you you hear about that one kid, you know, like, oh, did you hear about Dan? You know, he killed himself. And there's always that one kid in high school, in regular high school. You're right. He was in, I guess, a, hor- a horribly shitty fucking town. But, um, you know, I one of my very best friends growing up actually took his life, and he had nothing to do with Scientology. But he was the only kid in the whole fucking school that did that. And he was 16. But still, it was... And then when I went to school, you know, I only knew... Kids going in and out of the church or at the ranch, probably at a time. So like I knew a hundred, hundred plus kids going in and out of the ranch, which is not a lot when you look at a normal high school of you know let's say five hundred to a thousand kids. I don't even know how many people in normal high school, but for so out of a hundred and fifty kids, ten of them either died tragically. Um, and way before their time, or they they took their own life very consciously, and it's fucking heartbreaking because I know them and I've been there. I've and it's like uh, I don't know. It's it's really it's really fucked up. What disturbs me most about it is you're you're talking about a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times you're talking about that multi generation. And in your case, with this ranch, there's gonna be there's gonna be almost all multi generational children who were born into it. When you come from a normal life and you had a normal life and you've seen how other people live a lot and you understand how life is and you know you get to that point to where you're at a breaking point and you feel like giving up, I've talked to people who've been to, who've attempted suicide. So they, they say that what they had to do was go back to that one thing that they looked forward to before the thing that made them want to take their life happen. In Scientology, in a call with a second generation, there is no time before that. Right. And, and that's the hard. That's gonna be the hardest part. And they don't know. They, they, there is something for them to look forward to. There's something for you to look forward to. But how do you know? Because you have no point of reference. Right. And then when you when you're also like, like I believe in. I I don't know. People laugh at me because I'm I guess I'm a weirdo. But I literally believe in everything and nothing at all. Like, 
you know, unless you can prove otherwise, I'm not saying I believe this is nothing to do with Scientology. I'm talking about like reincarnation, for instance, Mm -hmm. you know, like I, sure, I believe that. I don't believe that there's ghosts walking around my house and shit, but I also believe that we're, we're just big balls of energy and who the fuck knows how we got here. And maybe when we go, we just go. Like, I really don't know. Maybe we are like Courtney here's a who. Like, I don't, maybe I'm Courtney here's a who. You know, it gets complex. <laughs> we don't know where the fuck we go or where we came from. But it's, but the thing with the reincarnation, and, and they don't even, they never talk about it as reincarnation. And, which is also kind of like an interesting, everybody knows about reincarnation, but they make it like such this elaborate thing. Like, oh, well, you know, you, you sucked at it this time, so if, you know, you take your life, you are totally responsible for that, we're going to be okay with that, because we're going to see you next time, buddy. I hope, you know, your next family has the money to pay for the shit. I don't know, it's really just fucked up, like, they give them, there's no reason not to, and being somebody, like, I, um, have, I admit that I have, you know, I've, I don't know how to even, it's that struggle or suffer, because it's such an interesting thing in itself, but like suicidal ideation um, for much of my life, um, and you know, I've and attempted suicide, and I've been in that dark, dark, dark fucking hole, and you don't really know until you're in there, and it's like when people say. And I'm not advocating for suicide at all by when I say this, and I hope you understand. But when people say, you know, they took, they took the coward's way out. It, no, they didn't. You know how how fucking sad and distant they were from themselves? Like, they didn't, I, I like, I've been there. You're not there. And when you have the mindset of a Scientologist, which I, I guess, have had over the years, thinking that, like... When bad things would go really wrong in my life, you know, normal people would go and get therapy or go and talk to their priest or, you know, go and whatever. I would, you know, binge and try and cope and, you know, numb everything, but I would, I would want to die and I would, and that was okay with me. Like it's, and it's, I don't know how to explain it, but I, I feel like. I understand where the people in Scientology thinking like that. Like, you know you're in such a dark place and you hate yourself for it. You hate yourself for, you know, putting yourself there and um, and trying to get, like, cause over yourself, really, um, thinking that you're essentially God and then to believe that it's okay because you're going to come back and you're going to be, you know... neighbor's baby, it really, it, I don't know, it fucking kills your soul. It really just makes you not even a person. Like, for them to make people really think that they should just kill themselves because they're not applying the text properly or because they gave money to the church and now they're not cool with it, so, you know, they're gonna their lives are going to be destroyed. And they get you know, a pat on the back, like, it's almost, it's, I feel like it's almost like a, a badge of honor for Scientologists when <clears throat> the, the unfortunate ones that have, like, the really deep, deep indebted ones, like, a, a badge of honor to themselves 
to get themselves out of that situation. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. Right now. No, you're making, you're actually, not, not even, did none of that sound weird? It makes total sense. Okay. It makes total yeah, sense. Like, yeah, so when my, like, my, when my uncle killed himself, you know, nobody saw that shit coming. Nobody knew, first of all, nobody knew that he took everybody's money. It was meant to be for something else, and they had entrusted him with it because that's, you know, how the family worked, and he was the guy who he gave the money to, and then they did the thing. But anyway, so he ended up, um, <clears throat> you know, he worked, he was like a, I don't know, he was a single dude pretty much all of his life. He was like 40, I want to say 44 or 46 when he um, died, but he worked on like, power trains. I always I don't know if that's I always think of like solid gold dancers when I say power train. I don't know if you know, but is like power train an actual thing down in Clearwater? Well anyways. Power train sounds like a thing uh, that I've heard of somewhere. I think yeah. Um so he built that and he was always at Flag and you know, another one that was just he wasn't in the Fjord. I don't know why he wasn't in the Fjord, but um I'm sure that was his own thing but he worked his ass off as public and, you know, went around to try and be the best Scientologist he could be. So when he had this money, which was over $100,000 of his friends and family's money, um, his sister, Teresa, evil Teresa, she was the executive director at the org. I think she was. I'm pretty sure she was. Um, she was the ED there for a while at the Buffalo Church. But anyway, so she got wind of this money, she's somehow involved in it, and basically convinced my uncle to, you know, donate this money to the church, and, oh, no, it's fine, they'll never know, you can just make the money back, because once you donate it to the church, you're going to be a super awesome human, like, money tree, and you're going to sit coins, I don't know, when you give us the money, it's such a big <laughs> but anyway, so he gave, um, he gave it to them, I don't know what they fucking promised him. But they must have promised him something because that was that was a big fuck you to a lot of people that he cared about and you know he loved and mutually. So anyway, um, when he did that and then asked, like I said, I don't I wasn't there, but I can imagine. And there's been enough you know eyewitness testimony to all of this in our family that basically. Um, there was like a six to nine month period where this had all transpired and nobody knew that this money was missing. The church, like the church had it, but nobody in the real world knew that their money was missing. As far as they were concerned, it was safe and where it was supposed to be. And somewhere in there, uh, my uncle, his name is Carl, um, I, I'm assuming got felt guilty. I mean, I'm assuming that as a human being, like I would feel guilty as fuck. That's, you know, I don't, yeah, that's, that's crazy. So I don't know if he was feeling guilty or if somebody started asking, you know, because it had been a couple months, like, hey, where, you know, show us some proof that, you know, it's not whatever, the business aspect of that. So I don't know what happened with that, but I do know that he went to the church and he went to his sister and his, his sister knew whose money this was. I mean, it was his, her brothers and sisters and uh, her dad, like my grandpa was in on it, and family friends, um, and it was just, you know, <laughs> fucked up. So, I just like lost, it, everything is so fucked up. <laughs> I understand. Like, 
get a whole thing out. So anyway, he went he went to the church and he he asked for it back, and um, thinking, well, I, I'm sure he probably didn't think like, oh, I'm gonna go in there and they're gonna give me my money back and I'll be okay. He probably was already thinking of suicide at that point because he knew like fuck, um, you know, that's that's a hard wall to be up against. Yeah. You know, I see that now. Um, I have a lot of empathy for him. I have a lot of empathy for all Scientologists, but really, you know, for the one like my my uncle and other ones. But um, so he went he went back to the church and tried to get the money back. And I don't know whatever happened. They basically told him he was uh, PTS or whatever. You know, go and handle your shit. Make the money. You could do this. Um, you gave us this money. This isn't your money. We're going to declare you. Like, I'm sure he got that whole spiel. So at some point, he wasn't, he was then not allowed, like, at the church. And they, oh, the, the higher ups made him meet at, like, a restaurant or something. And I think my aunt was there and everything. And he begged them, like, begged and pleaded for them to please give him at least some of the money back. Like, he had no idea how to explain it. And we know this because his wife, he, he got a, a wife from, I don't like, I'm not gonna say she was a male or I don't know where she came from. <laughs> whatever. She was just there one day for a couple of years, and that was his wife, and she was there. So, um, and then she wasn't. I don't know. Hmm. But I'm gonna speculate on that. So, um, <clears throat> but she was there when he had these meetings, or was aware of them, and he knew how much it affected him, and was like tearing him apart because you know this man spent his literally the forty plus years of his entire life trying to be the best Scientologist and, you know, always having those, like, get-rich-quick schemes and always trying to find the next buck. Like, he was really big into the, the Liberty Dollars, and um, I don't know if you know anything about that, but just, just different things. You know, like, a lot of Scientologists do. They don't really, unless they have, like, a real skill, they, you know, trying to put stuff in all over the place. But um, right. there was no way he could make back a hundred plus thousand dollars. And also, that had to have been really hard. And then being up against his entire family, not only so that's really fucked up. So he stole from the family who wouldn't, who would still talk to him even though he stole from them. But he's trying to make it right, and they won't talk to him because he tries to get the money back for them. Like, did I say that right? Does that make sense? Like, it's, oh, it's fucked up. So he, he... I think so. Yeah, so he, um... Yeah, I don't even know. I kind of just surprised myself with that one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Basically, he took... So he took a whole bunch of Scientologists' money and gave it to their church, even though it was meant to be for something else, and then... He tried to get it back and, you know, make it right and give his Scientologist friends and family, and not Scientologists, because a lot of them were not Scientologists. They were just long-time family friends. Okay. So he really fucked a lot of people. Um, oh, what was I saying? What was I just saying? He was trying to get the money back for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were like, no, you're going to be declared. And then um, they uh, found him. I was on my way to... I was taking college classes, and my brother called me on an October morning and was like, hey. And I thought it was weird because it was early. It was super early. It was like 7 or 8. It was like a Monday or Tuesday. It was just strange. 
And um, my, my family, we don't really talk to each other. Well, we didn't, you know, then. My brother and I have since, like, kind of rekindled our relationship. Good. He had his own weird, weird shit with that. But, um, but then he called me, and he was like, hey, so we found Uncle Carl. You know, I'm, like, selling coffee, driving down the road. I'm like, what do you mean they found him? Was he missing? Ha, ha, ha. And he's like, no, like, he's dead. I'm like, what do you mean he's dead? Like, what the fuck does that even mean? And it was, and it was so... Matter of fact. You know, a lot huh? of people, it was so just matter of fact. And he's like, yeah, so, um, nobody called you, I figured, so I was going to call you. Everybody's meeting at Dad's house. So I was like, fuck. So I turned around and I went back to my Dad's house and, um, uh, everyone was there. The sheriff went to my father's house. So what my uncle did, this is a weird, sketchy thing, and I, people don't, like, I don't know if they don't want me to talk about it because it, like, sounds like a conspiracy theory, but who fucking knows what these people, I mean, it's the Church of Scientology. Am I? It's weird. But so, and it was a lot of fucking money that he was asking back from his church. Right. Basically, like, bankrupt and knows their shit. Um, after they literally pumped millions of dollars into this buffalo, the Church of Scientology. My dad actually did all the work, and the church fucked him over. Oh, they owe him, like, a half a million dollars on, like, all of the woodwork, and they just were like, well, if you ask for this money, you're going to be declared. What? Like, what? Yeah, it's really... I I wish, like, my whole family, it's like, God, you fuckers, just come out and talk about it. Just tell them how bad they fuck you over. Because that's the thing. They know. Family... They bitch about it to each other, like they know, but you know they they can't say certain things, mm. and you know there are some that are still very much practicing, like my aunt. They probably if she's on her way to whatever whatever fucking planet they go to get that OT8 thing. I thought she was OT8, but apparently she just like finished her OT7. Not that any of that fucking matters. I just think it was really funny the timing and all of that. But, um, where was I going with that? I'm sorry. Uh, you're, you're, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, everybody was gathered, I think, and you didn't want to talk about a conspiracy oh, yeah, yeah. theory? Yeah, that's right. So, um, <laughs> like, what is she on? I swear I'm not on anything. They, they will be listening. Really? <laughs> they will be listening to every word, trust me. Yeah, I know. It's over. Um, it's just a lot. It's a lot to process. And honestly, I've been sheltered. I've been like a mild, turning into like a mild agoraphobe of, as of recently. I'm getting out of that now, but still. I, I feel, I feel like this is, I feel like this has become a chance for you to just, just blurt it out what you've been holding in because we, people said we talked for an hour, almost an hour before going onto the recording and we didn't talk about any of this. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, <laughs> I like to talk. It's probably why nobody calls. No, but this is good. This is this is stuff people should know. Right. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Most people are like, "What are you talking about? What? I don't. I don't know." So, so I get to my dad's house, right? And all the brothers and sisters are there. All my cousins are there. My brother's there. Um, and my dad's house is like the meeting place. He's got all this acreage, and it's like the party house and whatever. So, also, the sheriff went to his house because, I don't know why, my, my uncle's address was listed there. Or, you know, some sort of typical baby, whatever the fuck they were doing that happens in every single thing. Right. So, I don't know. 
my uncle, so they went there, and my dad had to go identify him, and um, and then notify everybody. So, uh, um, so the family was all there, and what had happened was the the previous night, my uncle he had a shop down the street um, that he worked at that I actually I used to work with him and for him there, um, which was it was interesting because of course the only two people. That I was like really close to. I have a couple other people that I'm close to in that family that have asked me to not tell anybody that they love me. <laughs> if you're listening, it's kind of fucked up, guys. And um, really, if you look at it and you do love me, you should let everyone know that instead of telling me that I shouldn't tell people that you got my death. There you go. Right. <laughs> so, I'm fine. I think I'm going off and, like, trying to make light of the whole thing. I'll get through it, and it'll be great. So, okay. yeah, there's <laughs> uncle the night before. Yeah, that's how I deal with, you know, dad's kids. You're doing good. You're doing good. Yeah, Um. so my uncle the previous night, so he had to shop down the road, and um, he, that's where, I don't know, that's where business was conducted. And he, he told his wife that he was going to go, down to the shop for whatever. So nothing was out of the ordinary other than she knew for the last couple of months he was really fucking depressed and sad and he thought his wife was fucking over because of this money situation. Which, I mean, I don't know their situation. Whatever. So I'm not even going to... wasn't there. But that's what she knew. Um, so I'm glad that she gave us that information after the fact. Right. So, um... <clears throat> He said he was going down to the shop, and then he never came home, and she had called brothers and sisters and whoever, saying, you know, like, hey, have you seen him? And they're like, no. And I think my dad, must, it probably was my dad because he was right down the street, um, probably went went down to the shop, and everybody was, like, looking for him, I think. I mean, I'm, I might be totally making this up and, like, secretly wishing that everybody was looking for him. I don't know. But I, I remember, like, my dad having to go down to the shop, and they were looking for him. Um, so what he did was my uncle drove, um, I'm going to say, like, 20, 25 miles out into uh, the, the, con- the country of western New York. is beautiful, hilly, Breakersville. Um, I think he used to own property out there. I don't know why he picked that area. But um, the last person, I'm going to say this, the whole conspiracy thing, the last person on his cell phone records that he spoke to was my evil aunt, the one that was, you know, giving my grandmother the assist when she died. Um, <clears throat> so, and she was also the one that convinced him, you know, to give the church of his money and then also told him that he was a piece of shit. Wow. For a fact. So, um, all my aunt told my uncle, I hope she literally has to, like, relive that shit for her billions of fucking years because he's an asshole. And... I know she said some shit. Like, you can't be in Scientology and not say evil shit to people. It, it really, it comes with the fucking territory. I bet, I bet, I mean, I'm not going to bet, but I'm willing to bet that um, a lot of ex-Scientologists would agree with that. Like, you will, you have to be an asshole. And it's, and that's, like, something to be proud of. So I don't know what my aunt said to him. So he drove out to, um, uh, this place. And according to the records, from what I was told, she actually spoke to him while he was out there on this desolate fucking road in his pickup truck. 
Hmm. So they found him the following morning. The sheriff found him, um, I think, like a farmer or neighbor or whatever, saw the, the pickup truck on the side of the road and checked it out. And what they found was a locked pickup truck with all of my uncle's belongings neatly placed in, inside, like he had just parked on the side of the road. And my uncle was laying in the back of his pickup truck, dead, with a shotgun wound. Uh, I'm going to put this in quotes. You can't see I'm not a coroner. I don't know. That's a whole other fucking thing. It was a weird county. Who knows how deep these things run? But he was found with um, self-inflicted shotgun wounds to his chest while he had um, uh, a handgun attached to his hip because he had a, a CCW. So I don't know about the rest of the world, but that just seems a little weird to me. And as somebody who is, like, kind of, you know, watched and, I don't know, I just feel like if you were going to kill yourself, why would you struggle with a gigantic fucking shotgun to your chest when you literally have, like, a, hand, a fully loaded handgun? It, it, does that make sense? I might be, like, looking way too much into Well, there, there's a lot. thought that was odd. There, there's a lot of these um, suspicious suicides that don't look like they could have been suicides. Uh, all we can do is speculate. Um, one, uh, one case you might have heard of was the Victoria Britain call Brennan case. You might want to look into that a little bit. That's one of the most compelling cases that looks like murder to me. And uh, that's, just, that's just my speculation. I have no idea. But um, it wouldn't surprise me. But I also, I, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say it was that. But it, it looks, it's kind of weird, yeah. Yeah, and, that's, and that was like the thing that, that instantly was like, what? So then... So everybody gathered, so the sheriff came, everybody's gathering, and everybody's trying to figure out why the fuck Carl did this. Like, why he was, I think he just completed, or what, I don't know. I knew he was OT3 or higher. I know he completed OT3. Interesting that a lot of people kill themselves um, around OT3 and after OT3, and um, I don't know if Scientologists believe it's because they, like, did, you know, the ones that die after that, it's because they had, like, squirrely or wrong tech, but I really believe, I mean, I don't know what I believe, but to me, it would seem logical that at OT3, <laughs> if you've been, like, really indoctrinated to believe all this shit, that's when you find out about the Zenu thing, mm-hmm. and, like, all of that other shit, I mean, you don't know what these people are thinking, that's a lot to fucking process, like, how gullible am I as a person, kind of thing, but anyway, so I really was trying to, I'm bouncing back. So everybody was trying to figure out why Carl did this. And um, everybody was also wondering, you know, where the fuck is our money? Um, so mm. it took a couple of days to locate it. And, um, oh, well, I'm going to go back to the house. So we're all gathering there, right? Everybody literally just found out. By the time, like, the sheriff got to my dad and he went out and did the, the – um, identification and everything else and came back and the family, like, gathered. I'm going to say maybe tops, like, three hours. Like, the sheriff called them at, like, 6 o'clock in the morning, and we were all there by, like, 8.39. Um, so um, we just all got there, and here comes the fucking church and car of, like, four fucking OSA church members, Bob the Folk. I don't know what his position was, but I know everybody was, like, afraid of him, or, like, he was the guy to go to. He did a lot of weddings, so I know he was a minister. My grandma was also a minister. She did a lot of weddings. But anyway, so Bob Bolt showed up, and then his crew of, 
I think Dan, oh yeah, it was like Danielle Perkins, who, I don't know if you know who Jeremy Perkins is, but um, hmm. he was, he was the fucked up guy who really needed to get some psychiatric help, um, and actually knew him for a while. Um, he's the one that killed his mother, Ellie Perkins, stabbed her. Oh wow. Two times. Yeah, it was a big, huge, the big, huge thing. So Jeremy and Ellie Perkins, they're that whole thing. I was, um, that's a whole other thing. Talk about that. Everybody's like, everybody knows about the Jeremy Perkins case. I'm like, not enough people know. I don't know about the Jeremy Perkins case. I'm going to look it up after this. Oh, yeah, you should definitely look it up. It, it really throws the whole anti-psychiatry thing out the fucking window. And you know what kills me is I had this conversation with my uncle. I thought I was recording our call when I was talking to him because I, rec- yes, I record the calls of the church <laughs> and people who are associated with the church. No, I do not record anybody else's call without their knowledge. And I would not have been on the phone with that guy for four hours had I known that my recorder stopped working at like uh. I was so pissed. But no, he was trying. Well, I'll let you look up Jeremy Perkins and we'll talk about that later. But, um, okay. <laughs> so his sister, his sister was one of the crew that showed up at the house and they were there to do damage control quick. Like, I feel like they were hiding in the fucking bushes. Like, they had, like, it's, it's crazy how fast they're there. They're always the first on the scene, right? Almost, yeah, it's almost like a cartoon. Like, yeah. You know, it's funny. That's like American Horror Story. Like, the reporter. Not to, you watch American Horror Story, spoiler alert. The reporter. <laughs> First on the scene, also the killer. Not saying that they're killing, but yeah, it's just kind of like, you know, <laughs> shut everybody up and just scoop. But um, yeah, so they were there. And I was the one, because I've always been kind of the one, that was like, you know, whatever. <laughs> I was the one wow. out of the 15, 20 immediate family members in my dad's house. I saw them coming up to the house, and I don't know, I was so mad. And I didn't even know what had happened yet, but I knew that they were fucking involved. I knew it. You know, and I had been, I didn't do any Scientology courses. I wasn't involved in the, the church after I left the ranch, except for, like, a week. I was homeless, and I went to the church, and I knew the woman that worked there, and I was like, I need somewhere to live. It's fucking cold, and my life sucks, and I'm, like, 16, and it sucks. And she's like, well, if you find this, uh, you know, if you sign up to be a staff member here, you can live with the other staff members. I was like, woohoo! <laughs> was not a woohoo, let me tell you. These women, I feel so bad for them. I kind of, they remind me, you know the old comic strip, Kathy? Yeah. Chicks in, yeah, the robes. <laughs> like, these chicks, I don't know, I swear they were eating cat food, but it's probably tuna fish because that's all they could afford. It was so minimalistic. They lived in a Scientologist-owned home down in the ghetto, you know, worked the entire day down at the church to get whatever services they weren't going to get, and they put me in their attic on, like, the fourth level. Attic? No, it just sucked. I never worked at the church. I was, like, fucking... Oh, I ran out of the house. <laughs> I hope people, like, can pay attention to what I'm saying. They ran out of the house when I saw the Scientologist walking up after, immediately after everybody just found out about Seth and I was, like, screaming at him. Like, get the fuck out of here. Nobody wants you here. And I thought I was going to have, like, this team of people running after, you know, behind me, like, yeah, you motherfuckers, get out of here. Nope, that is not what happened. What happened was, they were like, oh, my God, somebody go handle Tara. And so my Uncle Chris goes out there, and uh, I was just, I saw him coming, and I was just like, oh, God. I thought he was actually going to be like, hey, guys, you know, get the fuck out of here. He was like, Tara, Tara, this is not, I don't remember what he said, because it was just like a distraught, you know, crazy moment. 
not even, it was so weird because, you know, I was the one that actually showed emotion right. to the family. Well, that was the problem, That's right? That's why I was a fucking outcast. Yeah. yeah. And I just realized that. Like, I just saved my therapist. <laughs> like, oh, no wonder. I actually felt, and they didn't know how to deal with that. Right. So, yeah, but um, he, he basically, you know, told them that it was probably not a good idea for them to come to the house. Because there were other people in that there that were like, it's the fucking church. I knew they had something to do with it. So, um, because there, there's been that kind of turmoil in my family. Because the church really did do tons of wrong. Not only just by the basic, you know, church bullshit where paying for courses, but literally robbing my family blind of money. And not just in donations either. In, like, hard work where they told them, you know, they would be compensated monetarily. And that was the only con- that was the only condition that they did that under, which makes perfect sense. I work for you, you pay me, and then you know at the end of the day they fucked everybody over. And right. Anyway, so that was that. That was that whole. I don't know how we got on my uncle and all that, but the, the suicide. Suicide. Thing and yeah. Scientology in itself, and you know I I have all these. It's so interesting talking to ex-scientologist now because like everyone has such a story it's not like oh well you know I was in Scientology and I practiced it for a few years and uh well I'm not I mean those people I'm sure they're probably still eating cat food somewhere that are just like I don't I don't know but like the people that you can't have been in Scientology in Scientology and not have come out with like a fucked up story you like really really can't I believe that Really, it's so sad. Uh, I'm looking now. I'm not going to get into it because it's way too too much to the story that I can't get into yeah. right now. But Eli, uh, um, Jeremy Perkins stabbed his mother, Ellie, 77 times. Yeah, and he took her out of their eye. And they were taking him to auditing for this, weren't they? They wouldn't let him take oh, any yeah, medication. No. Okay. Yeah, no, they, um, I talked to my uncle about that. God, I wish, I, I so thought I had it on tape because it was so perfect. It was he was he just explained it away and I was like you know I'm like well I know you don't know or rather wouldn't don't, don't want to believe this but like schizophrenia is a, a legit thing and I'm not any kind of doctor but it's kind of been a hobby of mine to be aware of shit <laughs> right so you know and and Jeremy Jeremy was the best friend of my my longtime boyfriend at the time so Jeremy was very much a part of our life, and I knew Jeremy, and I, what happened, not to get all into it, so he hit his head really hard, and he was always kind of fucked up, but, you know, on a weird, like, I'm, I'm going to be outrageous, whatever, like, he, he was fucked up, but nobody kind of saw that coming, um, he tried to get into the yard a couple times, and he couldn't, which I know fucked with him. Um, yeah. that basically means, like, you are a huge piece of shit. If you can't even be our slave, <laughs> right. you're a piece of shit. So, um, but anyway, he had, he had hit his head really hard, and he was on course at the time, and it slowly just progressed. Well, not even slowly. It was only, like, I want to say 18 months. It wasn't even very long. Um, he was trying to get auditing, and he couldn't get the auditing, but he was on course. And he would leave course and come over to our court, uh, mine and my boyfriend's apartment, and we weren't practicing at the time. We were young, like 21, and 
like his his dad was really into it and he grew up in it we were just kind of whatever but they were still best friends so he would come over after course and you know drink beer and he would well he stopped drinking beer but he would come over and say he could he could turn the pages like and he really fucking believed this and I know he really believed this because um growing up in Scientology, you're literally made to believe that you can control the physical universe. Right. You really try hard enough. And then you fool yourself because you become so fucking bored, you know, shoveling rocks and shit, that you really think that you can, like, project yourself. I don't know. Maybe you can. But I know he can't, he couldn't turn pages with his fucking mind. Right. He'd sit there and he would, and he would be like, no, guys, really. Like, and then he would get really discouraged and upset with himself. Because he knew that he shouldn't be telling us this stuff, but he was just so excited that he thought he had these superpowers. And, like, then it eventually turned into, um, you know, he he was either going to be LRH or he uh. was LRH or sound like he was, he was one with LRH. And then... I've heard that somewhere he before. Into, right, but then the interesting thing with schizophrenia, and I don't know, there's a very... It's, like a, a, a classic case is, you know, Jeremy, for instance. So he thought he he could start, you know, moving shit, and he he was hearing things, and you know, his mind was playing tricks on him, and he knew it. And then I can't even imagine being a schizophrenic in Scientology. Well, I mean, we know what happens when you're a schizophrenic in Scientology. Right. Whatever. It's fucking nuts. But um, so it it progressed into. He then, he just, he was lost. He would come over to our house, and, you know, it would be like any normal night, and we'd be like, all right, Jeremy, because we both had jobs. We'd be like, okay, well, you got to go. We're going to bed. You know, it was nice seeing you. And this, and we would go to bed, and we had this, like, weird, we had, we lived in this awesome house, and we had, like, this indoor pool that was full of sludge. It was like an old college house. <laughs> and once again, Scientologists, I rented from Scientologists, but it was, like, $200 a month, and we were, like, young and Anyway, so we would go to bed and look through this window, and he would he would stand in our living room in the dark, in the pitch dark. Like, we would make it a point. It came to a point where we would be like, okay, well, we're shutting off the lights now, Jeremy. See you tomorrow. And he would stand in our living room just staring at the fucking wall for, like, hours. And then my boyfriend, Jesse, I'd be like, dude, go. he needs to go. You get him the fuck out of here. Like, it's weird. And then from there, um, he kind of... Uh, disappeared, and what was happening was he was getting more, you know, he was getting sicker and sicker, and he was not being treated, and they were, you know, taking him down to the church to get this auditing, and like, like oh my god, auditing. Um, it's unbelievable. And it's like, how damaging, how fucking, uh, how damaging. So, he went from thinking he was LRH to the typical, he thought he was full-blown Jesus, everybody was the FBI, the TV was talking to him, people were talking to him through the window, you know, I just crazy shit, and he, he, refusing to bathe, he was starting to wander around, and, you know, it's fucked up, like, he was always weird, but it's weird knowing, like, a normal person, and and just seeing you're that watching it, yeah, right in front of your eyes in such a short period of time to such a young person, to these people that, like, first of all, <clears throat> you know anything about Scientology, like, murder or death definitely you're not even supposed to die let alone kill your fucking mother or 
you know, think you're Jesus, like, that shit is, like, a, a no-no. So, so he, he really, he, he declined pretty rapidly. And um, they, they didn't know what to fucking do. They just kept sending him to the church to fix himself, and then they, he would go wandering. And they, what they did was, they would send him to all their Scientologist friends. He actually stayed with my Uncle Chris, which we talked about on the phone. He admitted, like, yeah, I should not have had him here. He was really fucked up. But then, I'll tell you all the other stupid shit he said about it. But um, he, they didn't treat him. They did not take him to any psychiatrist. They did not. Um, I can't remember if he was mandated to one at that time for, like, a short period or anything. But I know that he was definitely not under any kind of psychiatric care that he should have been, and the church worked feverishly to avoid that. And his mom was, like, I don't know, class, you know, superintendent of the world auditor, and then also, like, an OTA. She was, like, a superstar. Like, And this artsy woman and, you know, a member since Alarice was first taking his quaaludes and his amphetamines upon <laughs> everybody that they couldn't. Right, right. An aspirin, but whatever. Um, so she was, you know, in it for a long time. And where was I going with that? Um, his mother was a super oh, so auditor. <clears throat> your father, uh, your uncle admitted he shouldn't have had him in the house. Oh yeah, that he shouldn't have had him in the house. Um, because he had three, I have three, um, female cousins and. Well, oh God. Female. The the guy should have been in. A psychiatric home. I had had my son by that point, um, and my I was looking for a babysitter or something. Like we had this rare opportunity to like go to the McDonald's down the street. I live in the middle of fucking nowhere. Oh wow! With my Scientologist father or my boyfriend Scientologist father, who actually I'm I'm gonna like dedicate something to him because I totally forgot about what an asshole he was. He was very much. Um, a Scientologist as well. He was also very nice. <laughs> he was also very asshole. He um, <laughs> expected me to clean up after them because, you know, it would be out of shame because I am the woman and I am in their house. They're, they, they think that way too? Is there, is there's, there's some, um, there's some, um, the, that thought process towards women that the women are inferior? Okay, that's all I have time for. We'll pick up where we left off next Thursday with Tara O'Reilly. Um, <laughs> really uh, crazy stuff. Uh, next Thursday at 12 noon, uh, the rest of, of this information on Jeremy. We talk more about um, that and about t- her time on the ranch and the abuses there, as well as 10 questions. So I hope you uh, took something from the show. Again, if you're having any Bad thoughts. If you're in a dark place, please call 1 800 273 8255. It's 24 hours. Uh, tomorrow at noon will be Miriam Francis part one. I think, uh, I think that's something worth tuning into. So please tune in for that. For now, that about sums it up. Stay connected. See you tomorrow. If I speak for your followers and I speak for your ex followers and I speak for the curious outsiders looking in, and you remain silent in the shadows and don't let your balls drop enough to come out and say something, then I say, who do you speak for, Mr. Miscavige? Anything 
on earth that says, don't listen to your mum and dad, don't talk to your mum and dad, that bad, yeah. wrong. Absolutely believed his own bullshit. Now, does that mean he believed it from day one? I don't know. Hubbard reveals to them that he is the Antichrist. Scientology has not helped you. You have helped yourself. Yeah, I'm absolutely positive that happened because I was physically abused in Scientology. We're crossing the line into torture. Do you think there is a rape culture in Scientology? I think that there is a culture in Scientology that children are not children. So, yeah.